Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas on Tuesday, October the 31st. And a very happy Halloween to all of you. Today is really Halloween. You know, a lot of people celebrate it, I know, over the weekend. And that's usually when people have parties. But today is actually Halloween. Today is when the kids go out, knock on your door and say trick or treat. So I hope you bought some candy uh, so that uh, you're ready when the the kids show up, usually they show up, uh, the little ones kind of come a little bit early. And then of course, the older ones go out when it actually uh, it gets dark. And I've got a post over at the American Thinker today where I talk about our first Halloween in the United States. Now, when, when you first come to the United States and our family came here in 1964, I came with my parents, my brother and my sister, as you know, we came from Cuba. And that very first holiday, that very first Halloween in the United States, it's, it's really quite a learning experience, to, uh, to say the least. Obviously, we were familiar with other holidays like Christmas and Father's Day and Mother's Day and New Year's Day and Valentine's Day and Independence Day. I mean, stuff like that we were familiar with because most countries have something uh, like that. It may have a different date, like Father's Day or Mother's Day may be a different date but you still celebrate uh, the occasion. But Halloween was like brand new for us, completely brand new. So we landed in the, in the United States in September of 64. And, you know, it didn't take long for Halloween to show up. At first, you know, we began to see some of the pumpkins and stuff like that around school. And some of the kids, you know, putting up some posters about Halloween. And again, for us, it was a whole new, a whole new thing. We didn't know anything about it. And then uh, I remember our uncle, who was already living in the United States a couple of years before us, he uh, called us in and said, look, it's Halloween. And what that means is that you get all dressed up and you go out, you knock on the door, you say trick or treat, and you're going to get some candy. Now, we thought that was heaven. I mean, my goodness, you mean you get all dressed up and you go out and they give you candy? What a country, right? Well, yeah, that's kind of the way it worked out. You know, we got dressed up and on Halloween night, we went around knocking a few doors and said trick or treat and we got some candy. And it was a really, a really fascinating uh, experience. And uh, I guess we were on the Halloween bandwagon after that because we didn't fail uh, to appreciate another Halloween in the future. But I think Halloween, uh, maybe Thanksgiving are the two celebrations in the United States that are very unique to the United States. Now, Halloween, as I understand, comes from Europe, so maybe they have something like that I'm not familiar with. But Halloween and Thanksgiving were the two holidays that we didn't know anything about when we came here. But I tell you, it didn't take us a long time to figure out that, you know, if you wore something or got all dressed up, a cowboy or princess or whatever, and you went out, and they, uh, they gave you some candy. It turned out to be a great evening for my brother, my sister, and I. And we had a lot of fun with our first Halloween. And, of course, that was the beginning of many more Halloweens uh, to come. So happy Halloween to you. I hope you uh, had a party last weekend. Or if you've got little ones, I hope you come out and uh, enjoy the Halloween. It is, uh, it is, I think, a fun day. And if you get a chance, check out my post over at the American Thinker uh, Tuesday, Tuesday morning. But on a more serious note, uh, there was a terrible situation going on 
down in Mexico in the city of Acapulco. Acapulco, of course, is a resort on the Pacific coast, a very popular resort for uh, international tourists. Uh, it's not as big as Cancun. I think Cancun has now pretty much become number one, but Acapulco still has the name and still has the, you know, the images of Acapulco. And, uh, you know, there's, they still get millions of people that go through there every, uh, every, single, every single year. Last week, uh, I guess about a week ago, they had a horrible hurricane that has completely devastated uh, Acapulco. And the way it happened was rather bizarre. By the way, speaking of the, of the hurricane in Acapulco, I'm trying to get a guest uh, for one of our upcoming videos. I'm trying to get a guest uh, from Mexico in the next, next couple of days. So hopefully we can talk about this from the perspective of somebody down there. But generally speaking, what happened was people knew there was a tropical storm in the area and they went to bed uh, thinking, well, this is just another tropical storm. But then the tropical storm became a category five hurricane and it just devastated everything inside uh, the windows. If you look at some of the pictures, you see entire buildings. Now, I'm not sure if these are office buildings or apartment buildings. They could be hotels. You know, all the windows are gone. And if you look around, there's nothing. I mean, the destruction has been pretty severe. Uh, I checked uh, this morning and they have like 43 people dead. There's a lot of people missing. So that number is probably going to go up uh, considerably. Some people are saying that this is very similar to what happened in Hawaii a couple of months ago where, you know, there was a hurricane all of a sudden. How exactly it happened, I don't know. I mean, people are still trying to figure out. My experience with hurricanes, having gone through a couple of them when I was a little kid in Cuba, my experience with hurricanes or what I hear from my parents who lived through several hurricanes in Cuba is that hurricanes sort of build up. You know, it's not the kind of thing, it's not like a tornado where at five o'clock it's, you know, sunshine and at 5.30 there's a tornado. It's not quite like that. It usually builds up so you can see it coming and you can kind of prepare for it. But in this particular case, I guess I guess nobody saw no, saw it coming. They knew there was a hurricane in the area, a tropical storm, but they didn't know that it was going to be anywhere near what it was and as destructive. And of course, when something like this happens, uh, it doesn't take long for the issue to be politicized. A lot of people are blaming the local officials for maybe not being on top of the situation. Uh, obviously, the president of Mexico is in the middle of it as well. So, it, you know, just like uh, with Katrina back in 2005, when you have one of these natural problems, the sometimes the president or the people in power obviously catch all the catch all the blame and catch all the all of the heat. And that's exactly what's happening down there in Mexico at the moment. Now, the damage is going to be very severe. I mean, we're talking billions and billions of dollars. Uh, we're talking like there's a famous hotel in Acapulco called The Princess. Maybe you've stayed in it. I've stayed in it a couple of times. It's a beautiful resort. Well, The Princess apparently was devastated by the hurricane. It's just completely devastated. I don't know. If there were many tourists at the time, I'm sure there were. So the whole thing, the whole thing has been an absolute nightmare for Mexico. And I don't know how much coverage it has gotten up here in the news. I obviously I follow Mexican news uh, for personal reasons. Uh, 
But I, I, I am not, uh, I don't think it's gotten a lot of coverage up here, but I can tell you it is the number one story uh, down in Mexico. And it was devastating. The losses are going to be devastating. And when we get a chance uh, to talk to somebody down there, I think you'll see more and more of just how bad it was. It, the, the losses, the human losses, uh, the property losses, uh, just absolutely incredible. Just a couple of quick stories that I heard from people. Uh, one family was saying they went to bed. Um, you know, no, no big deal. They went to bed. They wake up with broken windows and all kinds of wind. And they have to go in the bathroom. That was the only place that, that they could uh, they could stay. Uh, other people are saying that they were hiding in the stairs, you know, of, of the buildings. And then, of course, the damage, uh, devastating, just devastating damage. It's going to cost a lot of money for Mexico to bring back Acapulco if they can bring it back at all. Because a lot of the businesses and a lot of the properties I don't know if they're going to get the, I don't know what kind of insurance they have, whether it's private or whether the federal government, the Mexican government is going to intervene to help out some of these businesses. I mean, I really don't know. I really don't know, but it's going to take a while. I mean, a long time, I think, for Acapulco to uh, to get its, uh, get itself back, uh, back together. Well, you've been following, of course, the situation on the border, as I have. And recently, Texas sued the federal government because you had federal government officials who were cutting through a barrier that uh, like some wire that the, the Texas government had put there to keep people from from crossing into Texas. And the federal government was cutting these uh, barriers and letting people in. Well, Texas took it to the courts. And the very first result from the courts is a victory for Texas. There was a judge who basically said, no, it's not unconstitutional. Let's take a look at it. And, you know, it doesn't mean that that's going to be the final decision. There could still be a negative ruling against uh, against Texas. But I've got a post about this coming out tomorrow where I talk about that. I think what this is telling me is that there are judges out there who are beginning to buy into the argument that uh, the federal government is not doing its job and therefore Texas has to do it for them. And that uh, normally, of course, anything having to do with the border or immigration, the judges or the justices tend to favor the federal government saying, hey, that's their responsibility. But in this case, because of the failure of the federal government to do anything, Texas has been forced into action. And, you know, the judge is apparently buying that argument for the time being. We'll have to wait for the final results of this case. But uh, so far, so good as far as Texas is concerned. Well, we're going to leave you today remembering uh, a fellow by the name of Dave McNally, who was born on this day in 1942. He passed away in 2002. If you're a baseball fan, you remember his name, Dave McNally. He pitched uh, for the Baltimore Orioles. He was a great pitcher for the Orioles, uh, pitched in four World Series. In fact, he pitched uh, the winning game of the 1966 World Series. He was a great left-hander, very effective left-hander. And Dave McNally was a huge part of the story of the Orioles back in the 60s and 70s. He passed away in 2002, and but left a tremendous legacy for uh, Oriole fans. Dave McNally, number 19, one of my favorite uh, Orioles of all time. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.